This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Emphasis. Apostle Paul tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And he emphasizes and says, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't be anxious. Instead, pray, petition, and give thanks as you present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. By talking to God, and especially giving of thanks, by talking to God, and especially giving of thanks, something can happen in your heart where the peace of God that passes all human understanding that, under, that passes what human beings can under, truly understand, will come and guard your hearts and your minds. Will come and guard your hearts and your minds. Ah, Holy Spirit, help me. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Consider carefully what you hear or how you hear. He continued, with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you and even more. So whoever has will be given more and whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from him. One of the things that growing up, our those our our forebears saw something. They saw that whenever they have a true heart of thanksgiving and praise towards God, they noticed that they began to see the hand of God in their lives. They began to see how God's hand moving. They began to see the finger of God. They will notice that when they give God thanks, when they are in trying situations and they exerted themselves to, instead of being anxious, to give God thanks in that situation. And they notice that God's hand began to move. Coming from their background, their pagan ancestors and the things they are used to in the, in the world, the correlation that they saw in the physical was that when you are before a great man, when you are before a king, and you kneel down before the king, the great man, 
and you roll on the floor like a Yoruba man or a Yoruba woman and you do the oriki and you extol the king and you talk about how great the king is and you talk about how wonderful he is or the bali of the house, that is the daddy of the house when the mommy goes and presents food before him and she said, the Lord will me the head of my the money of the owner of the money of my head and says all his oriki talks about how great his ancestry is how great he is, what he has done in the past and all that, they noticed that this man in authority this person in authority his head will swell, hallelujah and whatever they ask of him he is more disposed to give, praise God they notice he's more disposed to give we see this in our cultures, across our, our pagan ancestry, we see it you see the same thing, you know that's why it's very in our culture, this thing about praising great men is actually a thing, praise God and you know if you follow it, pride of life that's how pride of life follows you into Christianity hallelujah, so our, our forebears saw it and they noticed that when they praise God, they notice that they see the supernatural also, they see God's hand and their instinct was to think that when you praise God and you extol God God is like that man and his, his head is swelling and he's pleased and he's pleased and he's pleased with you and so anything you now ask him so they will now say what David said that enter into his gates with thanksgiving giving, and into his words courts with praise that thanksgiving and praise is the access into the presence of God so that God can now bless you and so they say after we sing and praise God now kneel down and ask God for whatever you want God is going to give you because God is now pleased Hallelujah. And they saw they said those things based on, on their understanding, but it's not actually so. Yes, it is true, and I'll explain to you why. There's a correlation between a Christian who gives thanks and praises God and worships God, and them seeing the supply of the Spirit in their life. You will see there's a correlation. But that correlation is not that you exalted or gave God an emotional state that is better than the one he had before. Because if God is truly God, it means that he is the maximally great entity to whom nothing can be added or taken away from. So it means that there's nothing, there's no way you can praise God that, will signi- that can make or add one thing to God. You cannot tell God what he does not know of himself already. You cannot make God feel better. You cannot make God's head swell. You actually cannot. If you can, he's not God. That's why it can work for Shongu, and it can work for Ogun, and it can work for your husband, and it can work for your king. But God is an entity in a class that none of those entities I've mentioned now are in. That's a significant difference. There's something that happens. There's something that happens when a man begins to give thanks. Jesus was explaining something here, and this is the context of the parable of the Sora, so on, and I don't want to go too deep into it. But the concept here, what he was explaining here is that, in the context of the word of, of, the, um, of the parable of the Sora was that, see, whenever you apply yourself to something, the measure to which you apply your heart to something is the measure to which you will draw from that thing. The measure to which you apply your heart to something is the measure to which you will draw from that thing. Such that, when a man is more aware of what he has, he will find out that more will be added. And if a man does not know what he has, it's like as if he does not have anything, and that little he has will be taken from him. So that a man that does not know all the theology and exigencies, what he knows is that for God so loved the world, if he applies himself to that one verse, he will see more and more. But a man, no matter the amount of theology this thing he has, if he does not apply himself to God's word, or is not aware of God's word, 
even what he has be taken from him. That's why in periods where you apply yourself more to God's word, you pay attention more, you pray more, is also periods where you see more and more and more revelation than, than this thing. And the periods where you stay away from God is like as if the more you stay away, the less and less and less you become. That's why there is no neutral state in spirituality. Do you understand what I said? Do you know what I just said now? There is no neutral state. There is no in-between in Christianity, in spiritual things. There is no, I am not bearing fruit. So I'm not bearing fruit is neutral. At least I'm not producing bad fruit. And at least I'm not producing good fruit. There is no neutral state. If you are not producing fruit, you are producing bad fruits. Now, Apostle Paul tells us that when something happens, you should not be anxious. What you should do is pray and give thanks. Pray and petition and give thanks. That when you do that, something will happen. The peace of God that passes all human understanding will guard your heart and mind. And the instinct is to think that if you, you know, if you praise God, if you praise God very well, God will just give you peace. Like it's, like it's a psychological state where you begin to feel better. But it's actually much deeper than that. Look at John chapter 14. The gospel according to Apostle John, chapter 14. Hang on. I'm trying to go to the exact verse. Look at verse 25. It says, All this I have spoken while with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. So the Holy Spirit will come and teach you things. He will bring to your conscious mind. He will remind you what Jesus has said. He now says, Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not be afraid. So the peace that Jesus gives us, that is not like the world, the one that passes all human understanding, is not like what the world sees. The peace that Jesus gives you is based on something. He's, the Holy Spirit is coming, the third person of the Godhead is coming, and he will teach you what Jesus has said. He will remind you of what Jesus has said. And it is as he teaches you and reminds you of what Jesus has said, you become aware of some things. And it is the knowledge of those things that gives you peace. That is more than that which the world gives. So I just said now. The way Paul puts it is that you give thanks and the peace that passes all human understanding will guard your hearts and minds. When Jesus came and when Jesus was going to say it, you know, Peter, Paul just said the same thing Jesus said, but in a different way. Jesus said, see, the Holy Spirit will make you to be aware and to know some things. When you know those things, what happens is that you will now receive peace, and this peace is better than the kind of peace that is in the world. Because this peace is an active, positive state. It is not a neutral state or absence of something. Just like what I'm saying to you. The peace that God gives is not the absence of the consciousness of the bad things happening. It is a positive information that overshadows the negative things that your mind is con contemplating. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. 
Ephesians chapter 3. Look at what it says in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, do you see that? To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. When you grasp that love of Christ and its true depth, when you realize that love of Christ and its true depth, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. Do you see that again? So it is grasping the love of Christ that does something to you that passes human knowledge. It is knowing something. It is the Holy Spirit bringing something to you. It is the Holy Spirit causing his word to be alive in your heart that gives you peace that is better than the world's own. It is grasping the love of God that is better than, that of the, that, than the knowledge of the world. It is giving thanks Lay your heart on what Jesus has done. That by paying attention and giving your heart to that thing, the measure to which you give to something is the measure to which you draw. By giving and act, by actively placing your mind on what Jesus has done through thanksgiving, things that he has done in salvation, things that he has done in your mind, it is in raising the awareness, becoming aware of what Jesus is, of who Jesus is, and what he has done, that revelation will come, knowledge will come, understandings will come, that will be greater than, that will give you peace of mind. And it is that peace of mind that will be better than what the world understands. Church, I get what I'm saying to you. It is in thanksgiving that the Holy Spirit awakens things in your mind that you begin to know. It is not a mere psychological state of feeling better. And someone is asking, someone wants to ask out his sister and he's saying he prayed and said he just felt peace. That is not peace. That is your mind finally being happy that maybe what you want is going to be given to you. Let me tell you what peace is. Peace is there is a storm around you. You don't lie down in the boat and the storm is all around you and then you say, I'm feeling better. Let me give you a good example. An example, a very good example, the story of Apostle Paul. After he had been arrested and was being taken to Rome for, um, for, you know, for to, be prosecuted, to be prosecuted, the Bible tells us something. That when there was a ship, when there was um, storms that wrecked the ship, and many of them thought they were going to die. And they found themselves on the island of Malta. That all through that time, Apostle Paul was full of peace. Why was he full of peace? Was it just an emotional state of, um, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good. He said, the angel of the Lord has told me that nobody will be lost. Peace is based on God has told me, not I feel better. Did you hear what I just said now? Peace of Jesus that is better than the peace of the world is based on the Holy Spirit has taught me. The Holy Spirit has reminded me of something. Love that passes knowledge is based on I have grasped the breadth, the length, the height, and the everything of the dimensions of what Jesus has done. 
I grasp it and it, it is something that passes knowledge. When you are praying and petitioning and giving thanksgiving, what happens? Apostle Paul is telling you with confidence that by calling to mind what Jesus has done, by singing hymns and spiritual songs, by offering the fruit of the lips to your heart, what you are doing is that you are applying your heart to what Jesus has done. And the measure to which you apply your heart is the measure to which you will draw. That's why it says that it is only the wise that can give things. There is an intelligence that comes when you begin to actively give things. It's like rain when it just begins to fall. It first begins to drop, it begins to drop. But when you stay with it, it now begins to come a torrent. When you actively tell yourself, I want to contemplate on what Jesus has done, it starts as little drops. Even when you are in very painful situations, very uncomfortable situations, you begin to actively tell yourself, I want to contemplate on what Jesus has done. And it begins to come. It begins to come. Before you know it, it begins to pour. Because as you begin to apply yourself, more and more the Holy Spirit begins to bring to your heart more things that Jesus has done. The things that he did in your particular work. The things that he has done for all believers, including you. It is in doing that that you now begin to have an awareness of God's presence. You begin to have an awareness, you begin to hear things and know things. That is what brings peace. It is in doing that that you will remember you are faced with Goliath that wants to destroy everything that you have. It is the knowledge and the remembrance of something that the God that killed the lions and the bears will also help me to defeat you. It's not a mere psychological state of feeling better. It's not mere emotionalism of the, the music was very good and I felt good. No, it is not that. If not, go and listen to Westlife. Go and listen to Shadi Adu. Go and listen to classical music. The peace that is better than that of the world, that means the peace that the world cannot give you by doing therapy. By taking antipsychotics and medica medications. I'm not saying the peace of the world is bad. I'm saying there's a peace that is superior to it. That peace comes by the knowledge of Christ. It comes by the Holy Spirit reminding you of what Jesus has said and done. It is by knowing something. It is by mind being active and fruitful. Church, I can to you. Oh, this thing has so many implications. That's why I'm telling you that every act of murmuring, every act of complaining, Every act of anger against your situation is actually anger against God. It's a little act of atheism. Do you know that? Every act of mourning, every act of complaining as a child of God, every act of mourning, every act of complaining is a little act of atheism. It is a little act of rebellion. It is you in that moment forgetting everything that God is and everything that he has done. That's why it looks like as if to the carnal man that God's judgment on the murmuring of the Israelites was disproportionate. It was not disproportionate. You feel like that because you are walking in the flesh and you think murmuring is natural. I, I, I can't help it. If something is not going my way, am I not meant to complain? It's not the normal thing to complain. It is not the normal thing to complain for a Christian. Rejoice. Again, I say what? Rejoice. In everything, give what? Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Murmuring and complaining is not the natural state for a Christian. It is the natural state of the flesh, but not of the man walking in the spirit. 
That's why God's judgment of the Israelites seemed disproportionate. It was not disproportionate. Every time you murmur, you know, there's a very beautiful thing that um, I heard when I went to Abuja and, and you know, I worshipped some brothers in Abuja. He said, every, every anger is directed of, at either of two things. Either at sin or at God. Oh, <laughs> every act of anger, whenever you are angry, you are angry at only one of two things. Which are, disp- which are mutually exclusive. At every point in time, when you find out that you are angry, you must be angry at one or two things. You are either angry at God or you are angry at sin. If that thing you are angry at, if it is not sin, then it is God you are angry at. Do you hear what I just said now? Something uncomfortable happens and you begin to murmur and become angry. No, you are doing. If there is no sin in that situation that you are actually angry at, then it's God you are angry at. What you are saying in that moment is that God is not in control. For all intents and purposes, you are saying God does not exist. You are saying, I know better. Because anger is indignation. It is, I have the right to respond to a situation that is not going the way I want it to go. Do you hear I just said now? Every act of murmuring, every act of complaining, every act of anger at a situation, every act of complaining and, um, you know, depression and all those things that we call negative emotions to your situations are all acts of atheism. In that moment, what you are doing is that you are telling yourself, at least in your consciousness, you are telling yourself that God is not here, God does not exist, God does not come, God does not control. A man that knows that God is in control is like a man that has watched Saudi Arabia, Argentina before. When you are watching it again, and you, imagine you are from Saudi Arabia, if you have seen the match before, if you are watching the replay, or you are watching a movie and you know how it ends, no matter how much Messi is pressing, and he's about to score, you will not be doing, yay, yay, what if I score? You'll just be laughing. Why? Because you know how it ended. How did it end? We won. <laughs> a man that knows that God's in control knows the end already. What is the end? God is in control. Do you hear what I just said now? This is the reason why thanksgiving leads to the peace of God that passes all human understanding guarding your hearts and minds. When you begin to consciously and act, this is the reason why Apostle Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 14 that when you give thanks in the spirit, your mind is unfruitful. So what should you do? I will give thanks in the spirit and give thanks in the understanding you must know what you are giving thanks for. That is how the peace of God comes and guards your heart and mind. When some painful things are happening, this is what happened to our elders that they saw. When some painful things are beginning to happen to you, what do you do? Begin to give thanks. When your flesh is pulling you in the direction of rebelling against God, what do you do? Begin to remember what God has done. It's children that complain. It's children that don't know what is good for them. It's children that they, are, that they want to do something that will destroy them and because they can't have it, they'll begin to panic and complain and cry as if you are their enemy. It's babies that do that. You've had a relationship with God all these years. You've had a fellowship with God all these years. You think this challenge is new? It's not. So you stand and give thanks. And that is the reason why 
the only good Christian emotionalism. All emotions that come, all positive emotions that come, that is joy, ecstasy, all those positive emotions that come in the place of worship must never be based on the sound of the keyboard. It must be based on the sound of the, the words, the meaning of the words you are singing. Sometimes we'll be singing some hymns. Me, I'll be feeling goosebumps there as I'm reading the words. And I'll see something like this. Are you not hearing what you are singing? He says that day I will stand in his presence and no man can bid me depart. You are not hearing what you are singing. How do you not feel goosebumps hearing the words of those hymns? You are waiting for the keyboard to strike a good chord and the drums to enter the right time and a string to enter. You say, oh, yes, that's it. The Spirit of God is here. So, God, that thing you are feeling is not the Spirit of God. What you are feeling is what guys feel in cavemen concerts. That's what you are feeling. That's why you can be in a place. The keyboard has spoiled. And you are singing some words. And you don't want to jump and give God thanks. Because you can hear what you are singing. That is how the peace of God that passes all human understanding comes to you. If painful things are happening to you, that is not the time to complain. That is the time to consciously bring to mind what Jesus has done. Go and read the Psalms. That was the entire thing that Paul, Sam, David was doing. He will start by saying, my enemies want to kill me. My enemies are after my life. They want to drink my blood. They want to destroy my destiny. But I will give God thanks. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And then after that, he will now say, because I know my God of deliverance has come. This is what our fathers saw. That when they give things, like I say, things begin to happen. When you have called to mind the things that God is doing, and your faith is stirred up, and you have a word that passes all human understanding, that is when Jesus begins to heal. Have you not heard in Mark chapter 6 that Jesus went to his own hometown and he could not heal there? Why? Because their minds were completely oblivious to who he was. They did not believe in who he was. And because of that, he could not heal there. As far as the doings of God are concerned, it's 100% God and 100% man. Your 100% is giving thanks. That's why you have heard this said before. That what prayer cannot do, thanksgiving will do. Let me tell you what is at work in that statement. That statement is assuming that when you are praying, you are praying like a non-believer. You are just throwing things at God without faith. There is no man that can act actively and anxious um, actively put his mind on what Jesus has done and remain the same. You know what I'm saying to you? When you are giving thanks and praising God, when you are praising God and you are extolling his majesty, that God, that's why I don't understand all these, um, you know, these doctrines of nowadays. When you, are, when you are extolling God and you are saying there is no one like God, as Jesus is exalted, so is your faith also. Don't you know? You say, we should not say there is no one like you, that we are like Jesus. You are not like Jesus. When the Lord is extolled in your heart, when the power of God is extolled in your heart, when the sovereignty of God is extolled in your heart, when you remind yourself that there's no one like God, you will now begin to realize that there's no situation in your life that is too big for God. The reason why the situation looks big relative to God is because God is not big in your mind. Mm, write it down. The reason why your situation looks big relative to God is because God is not big in your heart. That's why you must praise God. 
You must remind yourself that God is not your mate. Seeing God, you are king of kings and lord of lords. Seeing those old songs that say, God, you are big and there's nobody like you. You need to remember that Jesus is not your mate. You need to remember that the I am is great. You need to remember that he's good. You need to remember. And so that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when we're taking the communion this morning, and do you know what the taking of communion is for all Christians? This is what it is. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, as Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthian church and by extension to us. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you see that? Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whenever we take the communion as a church, you know what you are doing? It's like as if you were there in the upper room that night when Jesus was speaking to the 12 apostles. It's like you were there. Some of you, sometimes you tell yourself and ask yourself and say things like, ah, man, it would have been nice to have been with Jesus when he was here. Imagine you were walking with Jesus. Imagine he was here. Bro, sis, Jesus did not leave you to have those kind of fantasies. He gave you something that it will be like as if he's here. That's the communion. That's why I read verse 29. Look how it says. It says, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment to themselves. Whenever you don't discern, whenever you don't realize that this is God, God is here. God is here. God is here. I am partaking of his blood and his flesh as if he is here. As if the apostles are here. In fact, right now, as we're taking of this, we are in the room with him before he was betrayed. We are doing this in remembrance of him as if he is here. That's why a, a, a church of Christ that doesn't do it is not really a church of Christ, all right? It's an assembly of fellowship. Praise God. <laughs> church, I went together. That's what we do when we take the communion. You remember that his body was broken for you and for your sins. When you take it and you discern his body, you remember that you are justified. Remember that all the evidence that God needs to give for his existence, he gave by coming in the flesh. Hallelujah. We are discerning. That's what we are doing. On carry Sundays, we discern. On carry Sundays, we discern. On carry Sundays, we discern. We are discerning. We are calling to mind. We are discerning. The Holy Spirit is ministering to our hearts. We are discerning. That's what we are doing. And that's what we're going to do now. After we take the blood and the flesh of Jesus, we are going to sing and discern. We're going to sing and discern. And as we're singing, I want you to listen to what you are saying. The keyboard will go your way, but even if it doesn't, listen. Read. Give praise to God. Worship God. Extol Him in your heart. Extol Him in your heart. Let him be lifted high. Let him be great. Let him be mighty in your mind. Remember what he has done and give God thanks. All the times that he forgave your sins, remember. 
all the times that he delivered you out of a hand of oppression, remember. All the times that he provided for you supernaturally, remember. All the times that he saved your family from issues, remember. Every time that he gave you comfort, remember. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.